there is a company that I I love to hate this company. Um, it's called OpenAI. And oh, these guys! OpenAI. Oh, yes. This is gonna be fun. You would think that, that OpenAI would be open. Well, you would be wrong. OpenAI is not open. So JT, in a previous episode, we had talked at length about algorithms, mm -hmm. more specifically algorithms for these large social media services. Yes, we did. And we had a wonderful discussion about um, whether they should be open and the value of what would happen if they were open. And I, I remember saying that I didn't really have the imagination to picture what would happen if they were open. Okay. But I spent some more time thinking about that. And I realized that there's more to it than just that. I think there's another aspect that I would like to explore in this episode, because a lot of these algorithms that they're using are not just straight up, um, here, given these inputs, pick that. Modern algorithms, especially at the scale they're doing, are probably have some degree of uh, learning, machine learning built into them. Art artificial intelligence, maybe, is a better way to put it. And they're not just doing straight selection criteria like we might have done 15 or 20 years ago. So then that adds another element to the openness of the algorithm. I started thinking about, let's say we did have the AI algorithm open. Would that really be enough to understand the algorithm itself? Because uh, when you're training an AI algorithm, you're, it's not just the series of steps you're putting in to create the resulting trained model. It's also what input data set you're using to train it. And the, sometimes the order in which you train it. There's a lot of non-determinism built into these algorithms. And so today I wanted to talk through how open can an AI-based algorithm actually be? Kind of continuing from our discussion from before. So I really, I would postulate that very few algorithms are meaningful if you don't also have the accompanying input data that it was trained on and the order in which it was trained. I mean, these algorithms, generally speaking, are a series of uh, vectors, maybe is a good way to put it. It doesn't really define the starting point, but given a starting point, do this filter, do that, do this, draw that conclusion, make those numbers, all these steps in a row. And then at the end, you come up with results and lots of it doing its manipulations in the background. They just don't really have a starting point in and of themselves. They need that input data to arrive at the conclusion they do. So if you don't have the exact same input, you won't really get anything close to the same output, will you? Uh, I would I would push back on that a little. Um, okay. But I mean, first, I think there is a point where we need to stop and we need to narrow the scope here. Um, okay. For instance, when you're talking about AI algorithms, are, are yes. you talking about something that uh, is a recurrent neural network or a feedback neural network or a deep learning neural network like a convolutional? Or are you talking about other types of artificial intelligence machine learning systems like uh, genetic algorithms, uh, Bayesian, uh, support vector machines. That needs to get refined first before we can even start to answer the, the questions of like how much openness does it matter. Okay. And how is that network actually learning? Once you pick whatever network you're using, are you using supervised learning? Are you using unsupervised learning? Are you using reinforcement learning? Are you using cross-training? Because all of those are going to come into play on how useful the information is going to be 
at the end. You know, even if you don't have the same input data that the model was trained with, if you know the weights and biases that the model is using, you can deduce what the model is doing. You cannot necessarily, and maybe I'm wrong on this, but you may not be able to deduce how it got to the point that it's at, but you could definitely understand what it's doing-ish, um, knowing how everything is linked together. Now, that's a ton of math. Mm -hmm. So it's not, you know, like you would just pull it up and go, oh, yeah, that, there you go. That's how it's, how it's working. But it's possible. I know there was a paper that was released. I don't remember how long ago it was. I don't know if it was earlier this year or late last year of, from the University of Pennsylvania of people who had actually figured out how to reverse engineer some deep learning networks that used uh, the rectifier linear unit thing, um, which I only have a brief like overview knowledge of, which is that is something that's used in uh, computer vision and speech recognition. Okay. So they were able to actually reverse engineer the algorithm from the end model. Really? Yeah. Wow, that's a And I will, I will dig that link up and throw it in the show notes um, for people okay. who would want to find that interesting. But I, to get back to the point, I think knowing the weights and biases that are in play is a step in the right direction. Okay. Now, yeah, the data set is going to have a lot to do with it, but the data set more determines how the model will operate, not what the model does. So for instance, if you feed biased data into the algorithm, you're going to end up with a biased model. And then mm -hmm. when that model then deals with input later, you can see how it is behaving. Now, you won't necessarily be able to know that it was created with biased data until you do a lot of analysis. And there is some research that's been done in that. The problem is, is it starts to get all complicated and i hate i hate how simple that word yeah, is so because it's not a confident enough words what you're right yeah the complicated is too simple of a word um if if you look at some of the speech text algorithms uh the mm -hmm. way that they form sentences and stuff like that is of course obviously entirely dependent on what language is used but since language is so flexible you know there are certain things that are said a certain way for instance in the northeast that are said completely different in the Southwest. And you can tell if you would do enough analysis, if, if a model was built using speech patterns specifically from one region or the other, you could determine, okay, the input was probably this region or that region because of the way that it's generating text later. So there is some inference that you can do as to what data was used. The real question is, can, or is it possible to determine when malicious action has taken place in the training? I know uh, YARPA, the, basically it's DARPA for intelligence projects. They had a competition call for research, I think it was earlier this year, where they were actually looking for ways to discover, to, given a model that operates on data, can we determine if it was trained maliciously? Now, that's... That's very interesting. Wow. Th that's a obviously a highly complicated thing to try to do because first you have to figure yes. out if you can reverse engineer it and then reverse engineer it and then figure out once you've reverse engineered it, have you gotten any data which is valid? Mm -hmm. So I am not even really sure I'm qualified to even speculate on how that might work. Uh, if it if it could even work at all. I mean, it might just be some government people think this would be great, so they're going to throw millions at it and 
companies which are sleazy enough to say, oh yeah, yeah, we could probably do that. Just uh, give, give us a couple million and we'll uh, research that. I mean, you know, I don't know. I'm sure that happens all yeah. the time. All the time. Yeah, so how useful is an algorithm or a model without the input data? Well, it depends on what the model does. If it's a model that, for instance, can translate language from English to French. Well, once the model is built, it doesn't really matter what the input data was, because if it functions properly, then you you can see what it's doing if the weights and, and mm -hmm. biases are open and you can see those and you can pretty much figure out what the input data was. So I think whether or not the input data is important is going to depend on exactly what the model is being trained to do. Okay, that's fair. And I think a lot of times classic training of a person to learn how to train in a model is to start with the image set or something simple. Some of them well-known, well-understood library of images that we're all working from. A um, couple common ones come to mind. And so that would be a lot easier to, I don't want to say it'd be easier to say, oh, they use this, this image set versus that one. Uh, what was it that we were talking about in a previous episode where that uh, Google's DeepMind was trained originally to find dogs, I believe is what you said. Mm -hmm. And so given random noisy data, it tends to find dogs and things. Or if you do the, the process where you continue to feed you know, the same image back in and out again, it will eventually, you know, coalesce into the image or likeness of a dog somehow because that's what mm -hmm. it's looking for. So there we could we could probably see the bias there. But for something more complicated, like the number of people that clicked on a thing inside of a certain time span, uh, that's a lot more sensitive to the irregularities of how the data is stored. So going back to the Instagram algorithm from that previous episode, Someone posts something. How often and how quickly someone else responds to that is probably very specific to the way Instagram chooses to store their data. I guarantee they're storing that. They, that's important data for them. They need to know. Mm -hmm. The second someone sees this image, they are so captivated by it, they must click it and then go interact with it. Or, yeah, they saw that image and yeah, that was okay. We got, we got kind of the response we want, but kind of not. So that one's not nearly as important as the first one. Yeah, so from, from what I understand, as far as Instagram, when you're using the application, when you're scrolling, they actually know the rate at which you're scrolling, and they can deduce right. whether or not you've sped up or slowed down, or you've paused or, or whatever. So yeah, they, they get mm -hmm. all that data. I don't know if that data is actually being processed through what we would call, or what we would generally term as an AI algorithm, mm -hmm. because a lot of it is just simple pattern analysis, which you don't actually need machine learning to do. Yeah, um, correct. So, I mean, again, I would, that's yeah, what's going okay. on in the back end that none of us know. We don't know how right. the algorithm overall algorithm works. Now, I'm sure there are smaller, you know, machine learning AI algorithms that are populated in that overall thing, but there's a lot that has to happen to even organize and categorize the data before an AI model could then process it. That's correct, yes. So at least harking back to the Instagram comment, there's a lot that could be opened even if the individual AI pieces were opaque. Okay. Ideally, I think all of it should be open. Mm -hmm. If you have any system which has the ability to modify and control behavior, I think that's something that there needs to be transparency on. Personally, that's how I feel. So uh, uh, this comes to mind Part of the reason I started wondering about this, because I have gone through this episode or this exercise before where 
I had looked at some devs code and tried to figure out without any other context or without any input files or more often knowing what's the database layout. Just based upon what it's querying, looking at it, how it handles its ORM, can I just figure out what it's trying to do without knowing the input data? And sometimes it's trivial and sometimes it's what in the heck is this person doing? And then there's those times where you start to wonder, was the programmer drunk? Because they're going about what I think they're trying to do in a completely weird way. And I'm sure it must end up with something or else they wouldn't have published this way. But this is just not the way I would do it. So there's some of my own internal biases in there. And so I started really thinking about if I knew how X was trained. And you know, I agree with you on Instagram. They're probably just doing simple pattern matching. But I, I, in the near future, if it's not already, trained models will start taking over for some of these things. Because mm -hmm. they can give better final results or they can do taking in more comprehensive inputs to do arrive at a better conclusion or something. So if it's not happening now, it will be in the future, I would say, which right. is why it's it, important to consider this now. You know, coming into an assumption that these algorithms will be heading towards whatever classes of AI algorithm they end up being. I think there's going to be a large degree of mystery surrounding the input data because of how much influence it has over, um, okay, let me back up. Not to, I don't wanna say over the result. I'm, I'm trying to say, you would write an algorithm or choose to train a model differently based upon if an input data is entirely numerical versus I have to do some other computation first to break it down. I need to add some layers to do, like I, I just have an image, so now I need to start creating uh, edge detection and figure out where those edges are, then create that, and that's now another, I've created an input layer that I'm gonna make a decision on for the next step or something in the model. Um, if you have all that numbers, all those numbers already produced for you, that's you're gonna do build your model differently. So there's some degree of, if you don't know the, um, not quality, but the types of the data, the the input data set, I don't know how much you're gonna be able to understand about some of these algorithms. Well, if you, don't, day, if you don't know what input data you're sending in, I don't know how you can draw any conclusions of what you're gonna get out. Because the whole point well, okay. is, you have to know what you're doing. I mean, at the end of the day, it's still mathematical functions that are being processed, and you have to determine what those are going to be. It's not like, you know, a big blender where you just dump data in and push a button and then out pops a model that does magic stuff. I mean, there's, there, kind of thought it was, there, there's, there's a lot of intent that goes into it. I guess what I'm looking for is kind of like a, a Fourier transform for machine learning models. Just like given here's the model, here's what the inputs were, you know, mm -hmm. kind of that, I guess that's what I was, I was thinking about. That would make it very easy. There is not such a thing, I know. I really would like to go back and, and ask you more about that reverse engineering. Is that even, I, I, I'm trying to struggle how that would even happen. How, how could you reverse so engineer this? I would have to dig up the paper. Uh, it was a paper okay. on uh, archive.org, or sorry, not .org, uh, the, the Cornell preprint um, science journal thing. ARXIV? That one, yeah. Arcs, however yes. you're supposed to say that, other than however, archive. I don't know. That's, that why, that's why I say the letters. I would have to dig through and read that paper again, because I, I read okay. it because I was like, whoa, this sounds amazing. And then I got about, like, just past the initial abstract, and I was like, okay, this is cool. Mm -hmm. And then about a paragraph in, I'm like, okay. And then, you know, three sections in, I'm like, I don't know what any of this means. Yes. So I will, yes. I will definitely dig that up and throw okay. it into the show notes so everyone can mm -hmm. see it and you can see it. Um, but oh, I'm yes, definitely please. not qualified to say what that paper was about. Okay. 
So sorry, uh, I can't so answer try, you on that one. Let's try going a different way then. Okay. No, 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 that's fine. Um, I, I put you on the spot there. Uh, part of what I when I started looking into this, I found an uh, an an article from the MIT Technology Review, mm-hmm. and actually it was going into because there's been quite a lot of uh, AI is doing this, AI is doing that. We have an algorithm to do this. Um, they cited an example here. Um, I believe it was Google who was saying that they now have a, a way to detect breast cancer using some certain inputs. They don't really do invasive like biopsies to find breast cancer now. And they had trumpeted this and it was published in a journal. And these, uh, this technology review article was citing uh, a collection of 31 scientists. It was from Google Health. That was the organization that published this. Google was describing successful trials of an AI that looked for signs of breast cancer in medical images, but according to its critics, the Google team provided so little information about its code and how it was tested that the study amounted to nothing more than a promotion of proprietary tech. And that really struck me, because that seems like an analog to what we're talking about here. Because, you know, doing a scientific publications, reproducibility is king. It's it's, it's core to Uh making sure that this scientific thing that I've published actually is true it's verifiable because someone else took it and we're able to come up with the exact same results yeah and the more times people do this and they come up with the same result the more we have confidence that the result we have is accurate but when you start talking yeah. about some of these things how are you able to say well my my ai algorithm model trained however it was trained mm-hmm. always finds well 98 percent of the time will find breast cancer based upon these certain images prove it well here give us some images okay look that seems to work I don't actually know if you've got someone in the background doing mechanical Turk. I, yeah. we, we need to be able to, to verify it for ourselves. Otherwise, I can't really know that that's, is that legitimately a scientific breakthrough, or is it just... The, the only way to know is an independent study able to prove the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you can do that with a lot of these uh, so you know, machine you, learning You models. could. Google could, if they really wanted to, Open that up and show absolutely everything of what the input data was, how it was trained, what the weights and biases are, exactly what it, and show deterministically, if we take this same input data and we run it through the same learning system, and we do that a thousand different times, we end up with a model at the end that is this degree off from all the others, and that's, you know, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Google could, if if they wanted to, right. If they wanted to, Mm -hmm. they could. They don't care. Because they're a tech company, and they want big, splashy headlines to talk about how smart they are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There is, and this is a, this, wow, this is a tangent we could go down, about how I hate... <laughs> what has ever stopped us before? Yeah, well, <laughs> how I hate when people in the tech industry then decide that they're going to go into a completely separate industry. It kind of touches on what we were talking about before about revolutionizing, but not so much yes. in that direction but they're going to go and start working in another industry like person i'm going to we're going down i'm i'm, I'm doing ahead, it jeff i'm doing it jeff can of worms have been opened yes bill gates and medicine those two need to never get together because <laughs> hold on hold on hold on now i'm not even going with all the conspiracy theory crap forget all that no, no, we're talking strictly that. from a business management point of view this is a guy who ran a company and primary number one is ship the code. Get it done and ship it. And all the people that worked under him operated under deadlines. You got what you needed done by a certain time and you shipped it. And if you didn't, well, then you ended up like with Vista, 
where stuff was just, okay, forget that. That's gone. We're not going to do that anymore. This, we're not going to do that anymore. This is the goal. We're getting there. This is the date we have, and we're going to do anything we can to meet it. This is very dangerous when you get into the medical realm, especially Agreed. with medicines and stuff like that, because that's not the way science works. And this guy now is funding all this medical research. And again, coming from the IT, you know, business perspective, he expects results quickly. There's not a, oh, let's just do research for a couple of years and see how it turns out. No, he's expecting rapid turnaround on you've had time, you've had money. I need to see something that's positive that you've come up with. And it's been a longer discussion that when scientists get involved in those situations where they're in that you know, contingent work relationship, science tends to get pushed to the back and they tend to produce results that keep the person who's funding them happy. Yes, and yes, that's very the, true. The reason why this worries me most with the medical side is, let's, let's step back and look at Windows, okay? Windows ships some code, it gets it out there. If there's a problem, it's not a big deal. We'll just patch it, you know, patch the code and, and it'll be good next time. And everybody will be running the latest code, everything's good, no problem. Okay, so... In medicine, that's not the way it works. If you put out a medicine right. that screws someone up, you can't, oh, no, it's okay. We're going to patch that with a new medicine. Sorry you lost your kidney, but this new patch, this new pill that you're going to take, no, 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 This is very you bad. You never destroy your kidney. Yeah, no, right. You will like, destroy your next kidney. Don't worry. Yeah, and you can't then put the kidney back with the patch. Like, okay, we, we, we corrected the medicine. It now is good and won't kill your kidneys. Okay, well, I lost the kidney. Can I have the kidney back? Oh, no, no, we can't do anything about that. Sorry. We can't do anything about that, yeah. That's and, too expensive. Yeah. yeah, and the fact that when he's talked about different things, specifically with the coronavirus vaccine, he's been pushing for blanket immunity for any company that produces one. Oh, That gosh, they should no. not be held responsible for any complications that happen from the vaccine. Like, no, 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 no. No, you don't get what? to put out medicine and then say, oh, and by the way, if you lose your life, you can't sue me. Like, that's... The, no, no, this is not no. good. I would not touch that at all. I, I would hope that nobody would touch that. But again, you're... There would probably be, let's be honest, there would be people that would be agreeing to do that because they're desperate. Yeah. But, like, you've but, got no. someone who, up until, you know, he decided to become a philanthropist, has never been involved in medicine. He doesn't know how the medical field works. He has not been involved in medical research. Who is now, because of how much money he's made pushing the field to do certain things in a certain time span, which doesn't work in the medical field. You can do things like that in the physical field, you know, computers, IT, whatever. But different industries work different ways, and you just can't come in and treat the way development works in one field as with another. Agreed. Yes. So I, I find it amusing. Um, money opens all doors, right? And so I have a billion dollars to wave around. Let's cure AIDS. Let's not talk about how we're going to cure AIDS. We're just going to throw money at it and we'll fix it. And that's, yeah. that's probably not well, accurate. I know that he actually, he was investing in research and he recognized that there was already specifically talking about AIDS and its, you know, its tendencies. They, he knew there were already antiretrovirals out there. Mm -hmm. He already knew there was, there was medications. It just needed the push and the funding to get over the top to really make a big impact. And so in that respect, he was like, well, I've got a big checkbook. I can do that. Here's a check for $300 million. Go make it happen. He's not pushing the research at that point. He's just providing the funding. One hopes just providing the funding to make the research that's, that's already a, been done. That's a very happen. charitable view there, Jeff. That's a very charitable I know. view. I know. 
Well, I just, I would like to think that as a philanthropist, he's, he's just trying to make everything better. And I believe all of his videos too, mm -hmm. where he yeah. is just positioning himself as a man trying to help the world. He's just a man. Yeah. But, um, just a man yeah, who's going to profit amazingly well if things go his way with right. the companies he's yes. funded. Yeah. Well, okay, you know, I, I don't fault someone for wanting to profit on This is actually a fantastic efforts. segue, Jeff. Oh, boy. Because speaking of a billion dollars, and speaking of Microsoft, and wow. speaking of AI, don't you know those three well, things come together? Of course they do. So there is a company that I, I love to hate this company. Um, it's called OpenAI, and... Oh, these guys! OpenAI! Oh, yes. This is gonna be fun. You would think that, great. that OpenAI would be open. Well, open. you would be wrong. OpenAI <laughs> exactly is right. not open. And their latest language uh, model that they built, GPT-3, they exclusively licensed to Microsoft for $1 billion. My goodness. Now, or no, sorry, sorry, sorry. Let me step back. I, I, I said wrong. They licensed it to Microsoft for an undisclosed amount of money. However, right. one year prior to that, they got a $1 billion investment from Microsoft. That's, that's how that went down. Right. So Microsoft okay. invests a billion. Those two things are not related at all, of course. Of, uh, clearly not. Microsoft invests a billion. A year later, they develop this new algorithm, and then Microsoft gets the exclusive license. It's just, it's just ironic how that, how that happened to play mm -hmm. out. But this is a company that was started under the premise of doing AI research to benefit humanity, that it right. shouldn't be, you know, closed and it shouldn't be only run by companies who want to profit on that themselves. And then, huh, interesting, <laughs> interesting. It kind of reminds me, actually, of how when Google started, their initial paper about Google stated that there needed to be an open search algorithm in the academic space that did not use advertisement because advertisement gives a skewed, uh, how do they word it? Um, it was like it gave a bad incentives to the person running the search algorithm, the search site. The fox is guarding the hen house so like, kind of thing. And, and how yes. has Google made all of its money? Hmm. Interestingly, billions and billions and they've billions done on it search. with advertising. Mm-hmm. Well... I can't fault them for wanting to monetize their efforts. You know, I'm, I'm firmly a capitalist, and I, I firmly believe if you want to put forth effort to make something and you want to charge somebody for it, you could do that. Now, there's, you know, always the did someone else help you and all the other legal stuff and copyright this and patent that that we have to address. But if you want to put the effort to make a rounder wheel and sell the rounder wheel for a lot of money, go ahead. I can't fault you for wanting to make a lot of money on your rounder wheel, frankly. But at the same time, if you borrowed the idea for your rounder wheel from someone else and then forgot to mention that you did this, that's not okay. If you want to start off saying, oh, we're going to make a rounder wheel because this is what society needs, and then you somewhere along the way say, oh, whoops, I'm going to put some encumbrances on this or whatever, that's not okay either. I, I don't know at what point it switched. For Google, because I remember originally they would they would trumpet this. Don't be evil, you know. There was like this: we're going to start stepping into the commercialization of this wonderful search tool that we built, but we're promising not to be evil. And I remember sometime around uh, 0203, people kept reminding them, "Hey, you said don't be evil. Here you are doing these things that are 
curious. We'll mm-hmm. just say curious. And it was right about then they started saying something else. And they deliberately did not say don't be evil. They just they stopped, stopped mentioning that at all. Now, I believe that was also when they switched. Um, isn't that when the IPO was like 02, 03, something like that? Right about then, that's when they stopped mentioning don't be evil. And then not long after that, they started building entire ecosystems to capture and harvest people's data. This is Android that I'm talking about. Now, Android has been very beneficial for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what did we say? That's like two or three billion devices in the world are running Android. And all of those are Linux, by the way. So if you really want to get technical about which operating system is dominant, you have to say that Linux is the most dominant because it's on the most devices in the world. Period. End of story. But the platform was always intended to offer all these free services to the end users while at the same time harvesting every bit of contextual information they could possibly harvest about everything that the user was doing so they could sell ads, better ads, more ads, more targeted ads, selling slices of your visibility to the person that was willing to pay them the most. Mm-hmm. You know, it's your is, attention it, span. If the product is free, you are the product. Exactly. Yeah, so I actually found the original, original paper here. I want to read it just because oh, it's good. so glorious. Go for it. Furthermore, advertising income often provides an incentive to provide poor quality search results. For example, poor quality. we noticed a major search engine would not return a large airline's homepage when the airline's name was given as a query. It so happened that the airline had placed an expensive ad linked to the query that was its name. A better search engine would not have required this ad and possibly resulted in the loss of revenue from the airline to the search engine. In general, it could be argued from the consumer's point of view that the better the search engine is, the fewer, ad- the fewer advertisements will be needed for the consumer to find what they want. This, of course, erodes the advertising-supported business model of the existing search engines. However, there will always be money from advertisers who want a customer to switch products or have something that is genuinely new. But we believe the issue of advertising causes enough mixed incentives that it is crucial to have a comprehensive search engine that is transparent and in the academic realm. Mm. Hmm. Well, I'm sure that's where they started. How about that? And it was very noble, but now they're they're too busy you know, bathing in millions of ones, $1 bills, and just having a grand old time to really think about that. Do you really think that um, Mark Zuckerberg set out at the very, very, very beginning to make a billion dollars? Uh, he might have. He, so, I mean, so I met. I, don't I know met. Much about him. I met him once. Um, back in '04. Once. Uh, I instantly did not like him. Uh, oh, this was okay. back before he was, you know, the Facebook guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, I don't really know. If I should say what my true feelings are on a on an open stream that will be going on the internet. But okay. let's just let's just this? say they if are very have, poor. Uh, okay. Let's let's say. Listeners, this is your opportunity to bribe him to share his opinion. Let me Everybody's let me also put it. We want to hear. Let me also put it this way: in 2014, or maybe it was 15, I forget when. Uh, at some point, Facebook was looking for security people, and I got contacted by one of their recruiters. We talked for a little bit, and I was actually going to be out at Linux Fest Northwest, uh, so I was going to be near their campus. And they, you know, were like, "Well, you can come by and talk to us." And I'm like, "Really, really?" Mm-hmm. You, I'm pretty sure you guys, because, you know, they have shadow profiles. I'm pretty sure you could pull up my shadow profile and see what my opinions about Facebook are. And uh, I didn't get a call back after that, interestingly enough. So <laughs> Imagine I, that. I, I think maybe they checked and went, oh, yeah. Mm, yeah, let's uh, yeah, let's not right. yeah. let's not talk to him let's anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's funny. 
So well, I'm, I'm sorry, are... I took your I took this episode way off base. It's okay. I, you know, I think it's fun to go wherever the conversation is going to go. I hope our listeners don't mind. Um, I, I, I think you're right. In the very beginning, you asked me about, well, let's get more specific on the type of, of the AI algorithm. And I think you're exactly right. It, it largely depends on the style of the model and, and the decision making. And I don't want to go into depth on any of that because the second I do, I start getting pigeonholed into this or that. And I just, mm-hmm. I just wanted to stay at a high level. But I think you're right. It's really difficult to have a discussion on this particular topic and stay high level at the same time. I just think it is a concern. And I think we're going to see more and more of these kinds of concerns pop up Mm -hmm. because there's so much of the research being done in the AI field where it is very, very targeted now towards commercial realization of some new something. Mm -hmm. You know, for 30, 40 years, we were claiming, we as a society were claiming that AI was just around the corner. We were almost, we've almost got this glorious AI future coming and academia kept saying, oh, it's here, it's here, here, look at this, look what we can do, look what we can do. You know, text-to-speech in the late 90s being one of the earliest things that I can think of that were, you know, AI is actually here. And we never quite arrived. We never quite got to the level where AI was useful enough to do what we needed it to do. Until we just started, let's stop putting limits on all the things we're trying to compute. Just let it figure out for itself. And I think once we stopped trying to say, well, clearly it's going to need this and this and this and this and this to make its decision. We just kind of said, here's all the data. You figure it out. Here's the guidelines. You just keep working using this style to solve you know the genetic um adversarial networks have had particular success in doing some of the more visible ai solutions like you've seen this this person does not exist website have you seen mm-hmm. this before and that was a that was a gan that, that's producing all those images i believe that 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 kind of algorithm is now being used for lots of social engineering and um catfishing and such because you can make up a person and you have a real quote unquote a real image to go with it although i will say this a lot of those um, images can be found if you look at certain key details. There's little tells that it was mm-hmm. artificially generated and not a real person. Um, I really think um, we're going to keep sorry to go back to the original topic. We're going to keep running into this. We're going to keep having this question. We're going to keep having this algorithm that drives for us. Is it really like, is it really looking at everything? Is it mm-hmm. really what we need? Or is this algorithm that's choosing what medication is right for us or choosing what medication is right for the public, you know, doing profiling of across all 350 million Americans or whatever. These are the drugs that we're going to allow for high blood pressure. And we've gone through the process to figure out which of these drugs is most effective across the largest population. And that's what we're going to support. We're not going to support the rest of them because I know the health insurance is always trying to reduce their costs. One of the ways they reduce that is by reducing the number of medications they're willing to provide. Mm -hmm. That's an easy one for them. That's why you'll see people, you might get letters that this medication you're taking now is no longer going to be supported because it's an easy way to, oh, that one's too expensive. We'll just kind of stop supporting that and then they'll move on to the generic instead. That happens a lot. Yeah. Without the visibility into the algorithms that help us or help them to make those decisions, I I really just don't have much confidence in some of these decisions. Maybe that's my naturally suspicious nature. Again, I think, you know, know. this can be done in the open. I think it should be done in the open because it should be done. Anything which is going to have major decision-making capabilities that is going to affect people, their lives, their health, or, you know, any of those other things, it, it needs to be able to be cross-examined to be yes. shown that, okay, yeah, this actually does what the person claims it does and doesn't do anything else. Like voting machines. There's another example. That's not AI at all. 
But it would really behoove us as a society to always have open voting machines and open voting platforms. Yeah. I think all that the code on any of those machines should be open and available for anyone to inspect. Um, mm. Interestingly, though, they're not. Uh, which, you know, the, most pro of them aren't. the problem is, is, you know, you, because it's opaque, you have people going, oh, well, there's funny business going on. Well, maybe there is. Maybe there isn't. We don't know. And in the lack of an actual conclusive answer, people are going to make up or decide which one of those ways they want to go because we exactly. don't have the ability to conclusively and academically look at it and go, okay, we know what's going on. We've analyzed it. Everything's cool. Or we've looked at it. We've analyzed it. And there's some things we're not sure of, but as long as it's opaque, we can't do that. Mm. And on things that have such a massive effect for society at large, I think those things need to be open. I agree. Well, I think it's something we're going to revisit again in the future. Uh, oh, I'm sure we will. I'm sure. And we'll, uh, we'll leave some more of that topic space to explore in a future episode. So let me ask this. Do we have any listener feedback? Uh, we do not for this week, no. Oh, come on, guys. We have plenty of stuff to talk about. Send us, send us feedback. By the way, I want everybody to send an email in asking JT to share his opinions. You know, if we send enough, if we get enough people saying, yes, please share that opinion, maybe he'll do it. I'm refusing to put a number on that, but um, give it a shot. Send us a send us an email saying, GT, please tell us. And we'll, we'll see. see. What happens. We'll see. We'll see what happens. All right. This is uh, us signing off. Thank you very much, guys. And remember, be excellent to each other. Be excellent to each other. <laughs>